Hello and welcome into another episode of Gifted Kid Messy Adult, the show where potential went to die. I'm Ellie Michaels and I use she, her. I am Jessica Michaels and I am she, they. Today we're talking about doom piles. Doom piles. You can't just say it all nice and fun like doom piles. You can't say doom piles. So <laughs> doom piles. Definitely something that a lot of us deal with, especially people with ADHD. But when I say doom pile, what does that mean to you? Uh, I don't want to. That's all. That's 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 the entire concept of doom pile. Just I don't want to, and I haven't wanna for so long that now I canna. Like, uh, it's that thing where like. I got a bunch of fabric to sew some stuff, but I'm not going to need that anytime soon. So I should probably fold that and sort it and put it away in the closet with the rest of the sewing things. But it's just been sitting at the foot of the spare bed for like a month now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a saying, if you'll step over it twice, you'll step over it for the rest of your life. So yeah. if, like there's something on the floor that's just kind of there and you don't want to deal with it and you ignore it for long enough... Your brain kind of just goes, mm, no, you know what? We're going to never deal with that, actually. Just never. It, it just becomes part of the scenery, part of the background, and it stops mm-hmm. standing out as a thing that you need to deal with and just becomes part of part of your space. Yeah. Oh, like that, um, like that shrub that's next to the walkway in the front yard that's been slowly encroaching across the walkway. So now you don't even walk on the pavement you have to walk around the bush and leave the pavement to do that because the bush is just slowly slowly taken over after being ignored for so long mm-hmm. absolutely i have heard that uh, some people refer to doom piles as an acronym for didn't organize only moved <laughs> <laughs> One of my one of my clients mentioned that, and I had not heard of that. Uh, I always think of doom piles as just exactly the stuff that I'm going to deal with later. You know, I'll start mm-hmm. to make piles of things that are important, uh, important mail or mail that I actually need to open, which I is a very small percentage of the mail that I get, but things that could be important receipts or birthday cards I want to keep that need to go in a place or picture, just anything that Amazon returns, Amazon returns, anything that needs to be dealt with could go in a pile. But what is often insidious about doom piles is, and I don't know if this is an ADHD thing. I don't know if this is because I'm autistic and ADHD, but often you try to make your doom piles kind of neat and mm-hmm. out of the way. So when you're cleaning or whatever, you know, you're obviously, if you have a pile of stuff you're that you're not going to go through, you're at least going to neaten it up. So oh, that- no, for real, for real. Like this was a huge thing back when I worked in the trades because like I was working in people's houses and I'm in your house and I'm making dust and I got a bunch of tools and materials and crap in your house. And if I just kind of have it, laying around it's really chaotic and really noticeable and really upsetting but if you put it all in straight lines and kind of like arrange it by size it kind of vanishes from view it's it's not as obtrusive you know it's not as noticeable Mm -hmm. and that is great because it sort of adds kind of calm to your space like one of the things i tell people is that if you're going to clean it doesn't have to be perfect it's not 
you clean every ounce, every inch of your house to make it showcase ready, or you live in, in filth, it's you maybe pick up the living room or clean off a surface. And so that is a good adaptation if you're either going to clean everything or nothing, but it is this middle of the road place often where I find that neurodivergent people can comfortably live that starts to cause problems because I feel like I've dealt with things, right? I got the, like, for example, I scan receipts into this app that you get points and eventually you get, you get a gift card. It makes me feel like I'm being productive, you know, with a receipt, but I, I get the receipts and, or you give me receipts and I put them in a pile on my desk by my keyboard in my brain. I feel like I've dealt with them. Uh And I just had to throw two away because they're over two weeks old. I have no clue that we went to Joanne's over two weeks ago, but we did. And so I missed scanning those receipts because in my head, I felt like I had dealt with them. And that's fine when it's two receipts that are going to get scanned, you know, in for 25 points in fetch. But when it is a bill. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor, not a sponsor, not a sponsor. Um, but when it is a bill, when it is a something with a deadline, when it's a notification about, oh, your insurance is lapsing because we didn't process your name change correctly, whatever it is, feeling like I've already dealt with those, but they're really sitting on my desk, then it becomes a big problem. And so that is what inspired the topic today is how do you deal with doom piles before they get to the point where they are actually causing a problem in your life or they take over sometimes you have so many doom piles you couldn't possibly deal with everything in them which i'd say is also a problem so how do you deal with those before you get to that point i married you (laughs) well how do I help it's because I would say out of the two of us I am definitely the doom piler and you are the helper I notice the doom pile and I go hey want me to take care of this and it's not a shame thing it's not a a resentful thing it's like oh it looks like do you want some help with that or it's it's like getting something off a higher shelf for you you could go get the ladder or go stand on a chair or climb up on the countertop But I could go, oh, here, I'll get that. For our listeners at home, I am five feet tall. I don't just have a climbing on counter fetish. Uh, It's genuinely, there is a world starting above the second shelf that I don't ever see or experience. So I have to climb up on counters. And I've learned that's where Ellie hides candy from me because I'll bring home candy and I'll say, Ellie, hide this from me. And then she does it. But I know that's where I can find <laughs> it is that top shelf. So yeah, I've moved that. Shoot, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have revealed to you the depths of my you trickery. You explained to me how you used the long kitchen tongs to get at the white chocolate melts. I, I did was use to make the peppermint long bark. I bought anytime I eat that stuff, I replace it. I bought you replacement <laughs> melts before I finished the first bag of melts. I bought you replacement <laughs> bag of melts. So so doom piles. So how do you know when? Because I could have stuff going on a lot. How can you tell when something has gone for me from something I will deal with to 
a doom pile that you might need to help out with? I don't have like a set criteria. I do try to catch it. If I, if I catch myself being annoyed at it, then it's like, okay, well, rather than be annoyed about this, let's try and help. Or if it's just been there for, you know, a couple of weeks, which uh, I, I love that you brought up the Joanne's uh, receipts for the fabric and sewing machine that's in view of the camera right now. That's my doom pile. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I mean, if there's a whole bunch of clean laundry ready to go or ready to be put away and it hasn't been for a couple of days, I'm like, oh, okay, this is just starting to be a pile. So I'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not like, oh, she's never going to do it. She's never going to put it away. It's just like, ah, I got five minutes. I think that is because people ask a lot when I give talks, how do I help somebody in my life who has ADHD, whether it's an employee, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a child. And I think that is a perfect example of a really great non-judgmental way to deal with things. Because I think what a lot of people will do is like we had um, a pile of laundry. That was a good example where I had done a couple loads of laundry and uh, normally I dump laundry under the bed to sort it. But instead this laundry ended up in just a pile by the door of the bedroom. And since we had done a lot of laundry, it just kept getting bigger. And then once it starts to get bigger, it invites other things like clothes that were clean that should be hung up at well we'll just throw them on top of the pile and I'll deal with them uh-huh. all at once so this pile was getting was getting pretty big and it I think a lot of people would look at that and start to let it fester because I did say I will put away the laundry uh-huh. and in, and people will look at that pile and go well she said she was going to put away the laundry so I don't want to jump in and help because she said she was going to do it or They'll say, well, I'm just going to wait for her to do it. She said she would. And every day it would fester and grow resentment, which to me Uh is like the the worst emotion really that somebody can feel at you Uh is. No, resentment is a relationship cancer. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know, at least in my head, the longer the pile has been there and the bigger it gets, the more daunting and more difficult it is to overcome that. But mm-hmm. if you're coming in from the outside, you have none of that daunt. You, <laughs> is that a word? Uh, you have none of that daunting. You have none of that resistance. So I can go, yeah, I got five minutes and just, you know, even if right. I don't necessarily, I, I still, <sighs> we've been married for like 10 years. I still don't know where all your clothes go in your dresser. And I get it wrong every time. So like I will fold it and sort it because I know how it's sorted. But then I'll usually wait for you to be like, hey, this one goes in in this one, right? Like, well, my feeling, I decided a long time ago, like right when we got married, was like, all right, I can either be upset if my clothes don't get put away where they go. But then to me, that means I've just volunteered to put away clothes forever. (laughs) I would rather have the help. And just open my drawer and see, oh, this shirt belongs in another drawer than never get help putting away the laundry. So I don't care if they go in the wrong places because I'm standing in my dresser. I can quickly move things. So I think that's one of those things where if you are a neurodivergent person, sometimes that help that you get or that teamwork that you have, you have to be willing to accept it. 
and understand that somebody is helping you out. And so it might not be perfect. It might not be the way you would do it because you're not doing it. It's the Roomba principle. Like the the Roomba isn't perfect. The Roomba will not completely clean your floors to a spotless degree, but it's doing it when you don't have to. So that's automatically better than it not getting done at all. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of what somebody can do to help a neurodivergent person also requires the neurodivergent person to be understanding that they need some help and be accepting of the help in the form that it comes in. Um, And so, yeah, understanding that the laundry might not go exactly where I would put it is fine. Because first of all, who says that I know the best places to put laundry anyway? You know, I mean, I don't have the system (laughs) cracked. So why does it have to be folded the way I want it? I would do it. Why does it have to, you know, so that's something that neurodivergent people can do for ourselves is if somebody's going to help you understand it's not an attack Uh and it is a helping hand. And then you have to let go of any choosiness you have. I think about how it gets done, because if you are, you can't have it both ways. You can't be super picky about it and accept, you know, the, and and then expect somebody to help you because if they're never going to meet your standards, they're never going to help you. So yeah, I try all, to. All I'm, all I'm hearing is that anytime I try to help, I'm doing it wrong. And you just had to like make peace with that. No, sometimes I do. I start to do things the way you would do them. Like when I would hang laundry, I used to be very particular about how it was like stretched out on the line, how it needed to be, because I thought that is the only way it would dry. But then one day you did laundry and you hung it up and just looking at it, I was like, there is no way that any of that is going to dry. But instead of I didn't really want to deal with it. And I certainly didn't want to nag you about it because you'd done a good thing, a nice thing. And sure enough, it dried just fine. It was fine. So all that extra time I was using to do it my way was just kind of wasted time. So I tried to, I tried to be magnanimous in letting you do housework is what I'm saying. That Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. how I show my love. (laughs) Charitable of you. Yes, I think yeah. I think the other way that I know that a doom pile is happening is when my workspace just kind of shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. Like if I cannot comfortably put my elbows akimbo on my workspace, there is definitely a problem. And it isn't necessarily just a pile. Like I don't know. I've, I've got a workbench over there. There's uh, a 3D printed bat leth that's got some glazing putty on some. Uh, some seams right now and then my brushes are out because I'm going to paint it afterwards but then I also have a bunch of 3D printed spools out because I'm going to need to switch the colors tomorrow and move to a different thing and then the tums are over here because oh, I was Lord. having some uh hmm? so what as you're describing your workbench to me what I am hearing is an ADHD spiral a little bit <laughs> of What's that one job leads to another job leads to another job leads to another job so that you can't ever get anything done. Uh-huh. And that can definitely happen. I think when you have piles, because you have so many little things happening that even if you advance all of them forward one step, it's not going to feel like you're making any progress and you're not going to get any one of them 
done. You're not going to ever accomplish anything to the point where it's finished. So none of those piles can go away because they're all tied to each other. And for somebody who's ADHD or autistic, then one of the big ways that doom piles can affect you is you can get into overwhelm really Uh easily, either Uh by looking around going, I have so many things to do and that is overwhelming or your space is just physically overwhelming. You know, there is just Mm -hmm. so much around you, even if it's in neat piles, eventually, you know, that, that is going to affect you in some way, if that's a sensitivity that you have. So the doom piles can have a, a number of effects uh, that can cause a spiral because if I get overwhelmed physically, I like if if the space is too messy for me, I start to get stressed and I don't notice it, Mm -hmm. but it it starts to get stressed. So my executive function gets lessened. Uh, I'm crabbier Mm -hmm. and that limits my ability to be patient when anything happens. And so, but I, I definitely pick up on that one for you. Uh, If our floors get too cluttered and our floors don't get like super dirty, but we have a dog who doesn't chew on things. He chews through them. He likes Mm -hmm. to disembowel his toys. And so we just get little clouds of fluff and you can walk past it. You can walk on it. It's not a problem, but especially since you tend to look down when you walk because you have terrible balance, you're seeing all this extra visual information. Every time you walk somewhere, it's not just a blank, empty floor that you can kind of zone out. It's that's a there's a blank, empty floor with ooh a spot here and then a spot here and then a spot here. And that spot was that spot there before? I think it got moved um, and it just kind of builds up. So if I'm noticing the floors are cluttered or dirty and you're feeling kind of stressed, I try to make a point to clear out the floors at least and try to sort stuff and put it away so that that visual noise, that extra data data we're taking in isn't quite so pressing on your mind. Mm, yeah, that's really, thank you. That's really nice of you. That's that's very true. So right now what I'm hearing is the best answer for how to deal with doom piles is to be married to you. Is that the solution we're offering people? Should I just start like a queue I'm or- I'm so tired. I'm, I'm, a a sign-up sheet? No, I can't. I'm, Calendar? I'm, I'm, no, I don't want to. No. Okay. Find your own. <laughs> so- what can people do about doom piles if they don't have a you? Huh. Um, I don't know. You could uh, just guilt yourself and white knuckle through it and uh, judge yourself as being terrible, lazy, and useless and a drain on other people. All right. right? So I think, yeah, absolutely. Like deciding that you're awful and terrible and lazy and a useless pile of wasted potential, I think is something we've all tried I think that is likely for most of us the it's first thing we go to. It's going to work one of these to. days. It's going to work one of these days. Well, in 43 years, it hasn't worked for me. So I think we could try a couple of other of other things. Uh, and one of them is body doubling. And so hmm. body doubling is definitely something you can do as you're married. Um, you, But you might have noticed if your spouse is working, you maybe feel more inclined to do some work as well. Like if somebody's cleaning, you feel like you need to clean. That can be an example of body doubling. Like Uh if they're up and around, I'm going to be up and around. And so that just sort of gets you to move forward. But you could also do just virtual body doubling. Um, You could text a friend and just say, hey, I'm going to be cleaning for the next 
half hour, could you check with me in 30 minutes or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that there's a presence there that somebody somewhere is kind of keeping a, a metaphorical eye on you. That can be a way to help you attack doom piles also. So that's, that's another, another way to go. But one of the things that I was thinking about is I know that this is probably a pattern I've had all my life in terms of creating these piles. But what I don't know exactly is when I've realized or how I realized they started to have a negative effect on my life. And I was thinking about this because I was thinking back to childhood and being a teen and my room was so messy, was so messy that my mother fortunately was someone who just decided she wasn't going to fight with us over it. She just closed the door. And so it never really became a trauma, but it certainly was something that I struggled with is really being very messy. I also had a very messy locker. And I know that is something that a lot of neurodivergent kids struggle with is the messy backpack, messy locker, messy room. But I'm not sure if those two things are connected. I don't know if kids who had clean rooms, do they have doom piles now? Or is that a precursor to doom piles? Like when it actually started to go from just something that I did to something that had a negative effect on my life, because I know it does now as an adult, because I miss deadlines. I miss things. Mm -hmm. When for you, did you realize that you were doom piling and that it could possibly have a negative effect? Is this recent since you discovered you were neurodivergent or did you always kind of have an idea? No, uh, I'm aware now of why and that it's a neurodivergent thing, but this was really something that was like shouted out of me where like I, I maybe ended up with a messy backpack at the end of the quarter or semester or whatever, but it started very meticulous and neat. Um, and that was just something that I had to white knuckle my way through because the otherwise my family would yell at me for it. Um, same thing with a dirty room. Um, and once I got past like the trauma of getting yelled at for a thing my brain does naturally, I was able to be aware that if things are more organized, if they're neater, it takes less calories for my brain to process it. Like, especially since my brain likes to memorize where everything is. Um, like the yeah. <laughs> after moving was a nightmare because my brain was like, okay, this is where that is. And I'm like, no, that's just a box. Don't, don't, don't memorize that yet. I think that's something that is different between you and I, because I would, I'm never a person who like when I organize, that's always the hardest time for me is right after I organize, because I never remember where things have gone. Mm -hmm. So I have a really hard time memorizing the permanent place of something whereas you are able to do that so I think just because our brains look at patterns in space differently I mm -hmm. think for you building that habit of not necessarily creating those piles and having them blend in they still they stand out to you that's different than with me. For me, I think they definitely blend into the scenery much more than they do for you. And I don't think that's because your parents yelled at you. In fact, I'm very mad at them for doing that. I think it's just because your brain is just like that. Like you definitely see 
things in space and notice details in space much more easily than I do. So I think Uh that I don't want people to think that if they just scream at their kids enough, there won't (laughs) there won't be doom piles. That's not what we're saying. Once I moved out, it was just like, all right, back to chaos. Screw it. You know, I actually instead of memorizing where things go in a clean environment, I'm actually better at, oh, the thing that you're looking for, that's in the bin of random crap that I have been collecting. Or there is a hair rubber band that is under the leg of the kitchen chair. It's been there for two weeks and I've seen it, but I haven't picked it up, but I know where hair rubber band is. Like it's easier for me to identify where things are in the mess. And I first discovered that when I was working because before we got all computery, because I'm from the stone ages, I had, I, I worked in paper. Everything that I had was, you know, paper forms, paper files. And my desk would always look very cluttered, but that is how I functioned the best because I knew where everything was. I could tell you down to the paper, where things were but when I would somebody would force me eventually to clean off my desk I didn't work as well Uh I spent just as much time trying to figure out where everything was because it wasn't right that wasn't the environment that I could be productive in and so that's when I sort of went oh okay maybe there's some method to this madness, but I knew it was still bad. Don't get me wrong. I still internalized myself as being terrible. Oh, that's just because cause you're the worst. Yeah. Cause other people could have clean desks and work. But to me, the more mess of it, my desk was, that was a sign of how productive I was really. So I knew that I needed that and other people didn't. And I knew that that was bad, but I didn't really know why. But for some reason, I function better in a space that is cluttered, a little cluttered. You know, like my ideas are all on a desk. My ideas are all out. I think I'm trying to think of a digital form of this. My desktop, not like the desktop or the computer called the desktop, but the desktop on the desktop, like the thing that's just the screen before you have any windows open, that is always full of stuff, stuff that I'm going to get to. And that's why it's there. Like, that's why I'm going to get to that Gundam model that's been sitting on the corner of my desk for how long have we lived in this apartment now? About three days after we moved in. (laughs) I think to me, my computer tabs often substitute as a to-do list because as I go through my day, you know, I'll start by checking my email. And then in one email, there's a link I have to follow to fill out a form for something. Well, I don't want to fill out the form, but I've clicked on the link. So that tab is open. And mm-hmm. then I might check I'll get to it. Yeah. I might check, you know, the news or, or Buzzfeed if I want to know what kind of cheesecake I am that day or whatever. And I'll leave that open. And then I might have a YouTube video I want to watch that gets open. So eventually I just have a hundred tabs open and they're all of things that I want to do. And so if I ever want to go through and close everything, that can actually be a way for me to accomplish the tasks that I need to get done. And sometimes I'll go through and I'll look at something and I'll go, oh, it's five o'clock. And I just opened this thing for an email that I opened at eight o'clock and have not come back to. And I never went through the rest of my email. So it's not an exact 
science for sure, but sometimes the, the the joy of burning it all down and just going, you know what, screw it, and just closing the whole window, just be gone with you. Enough. I I used to set my tabs to anytime I would open my browser, it would open up all of the tabs that I previously had open. And I couldn't do that. That lasted just a few days because they got to the point where they were so tiny on my, across my screen that I couldn't read them. And then they started to drop down into another layer. Wait, that's a thing? If you open enough tabs, apparently, I can't remember what browser that I was in, but they first got so tiny, you could barely even click on them to separate them. And then it got into like level two. So I had to just stop. And so- then it became that my doing my tabs reverting to just the starting tab whenever I reopened my browser meant that every every so often either because I closed my computer either because I closed my browser whatever it is those would all get washed away and I would restart and so what I found was some things would creep back up right some tasks like the email was still going to be there and I would need to do that application. But some of the things that I felt really strongly about, like I have to read this article, this is something I should read for work, this is, you know, whatever it is, are these are things I need to buy. Some of those, I never thought about again. Once my computer tabs got reset, they never pop back up. So those things that were super important to me in the moment, really? Maybe not that important overall, actually. Yeah, yeah. And so then it became kind of a way to just save myself is, all right, you know, every so often, these are going to get wiped away. And if I don't think of it again, or it doesn't creep back up again, was it that important? Mm-hmm. But you can't do that with deadline things. That's the thing. Like yeah, You have no. to make sure if something has a deadline mm-hmm. that you, so that's when I started putting those things on my calendar. So if I have an application for something and it's due by Thursday, then I'm going to put it on my calendar for Wednesday. So that way I can move it to Thursday, the last minute if I need to, but I'll at least have some other way to catch it. But if it's just articles or things, because there's so much media to read, I will never consume all there is to read and watch, which is something I'm really struggling with dealing with. But then it it's not stressing me out anymore because it's it's not there. And it'll creep back up again if it's important. It makes me think of how Douglas Adams described Arthur Dent's uh, desk in one of the Hitchhiker's books. Like he had an inbox and then inbox urgent, inbox super mega urgent has to happen right now. And then one past that, that I think it just said you're screwed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, I think the moral of that story is that However, your organizational system works for you, that makes it the right organizational system. Because we tend to tie things like, oh, my desk should look like this. I should use my calendar like this. I should handle things this way. And those are very rarely because they work for us. It's usually because we think our brain should work a certain way or that we should organize ourselves a certain way. So if you have a system that works for you, that keeps you from missing the deadlines, if it keeps you from getting overwhelmed, then whatever that looks like, as long as you're not hurting yourself or others, that's a good system. It works for you. And that is a tool you can put in your 
toolbox. I think body doubling is another great way to deal with doom piles. So you can just sit on a Zoom with a coworker for an hour and you work and they work and you don't interact with each other, but just having somebody there can oh, help God. you get through the work. Mm -hmm. And just the horror of having somebody on camera who can then see your space. Yeah. <laughs> just like, nope, I need to clean right now. Yep. Right now I'm cleaning. That's all of another, this. that's another method. I think we mentioned it uh, in a, in another episode is if you get your doom piles taken care of because you have somebody coming over, invite somebody over, invite somebody over, and then you will tackle your doom piles. You can also do what we call a you pick two, which is the beginning of the day. Say today, I am going to accomplish these two things. You just two, only two. And one of those things could be that pile that's at my desk. I am going to get through at least, you know, once and look at everything, whatever it is. So there are lots of different ways to tackle doom piles. If you notice maybe for the first time that you start creating doom piles, maybe just try to catch yourself and not create as many. Um, but if you have been dealing with it for a long time, that is certainly something, you know, if these tips don't work for you, getting a neurodiversity coach, this is something that we work with a lot. And so certainly happy to help uh, anybody who's got challenges in those areas, but it's not, it's not the end of the world. And it doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you're messy. It doesn't mean you're lazy. It just means you have a brain and that's just the way your brain works. And it's totally fine. And it's totally workable. You're not a bad person. You're okay. Except for me. I'm secretly a, a bad person, right? Like, I'm Oh, me too. I'm absolutely the worst uh, for <laughs> sure. But other people, other people, <laughs> they're wonderful. They are wonderful. Um, so if you have any questions about how to tackle your doom piles or anything else uh, that you're looking for resources on, or if you would like a complimentary coaching consultation, you can always reach out to me at coachjessicamichaels.com. You can also just send us an email uh, about the show uh, on, uh, on that website as well. We would love to hear from you. Ellie, what else? Any, any other closing thoughts you have for us today? Well, whatever you do and whatever tactic you choose you have to make sure to beat yourself up about it a lot and feel really really bad that you haven't already done this and one one thing that people should do and should tackle right away is rating and reviewing this podcast on <laughs> apple podcasts oh my god i have that tab open so rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. It helps people find the show. And we certainly want more folks to do that. And so if you could do that for us, we would be so, so grateful. Yeah, you want to be on the show? Review it. Let us know. Let us <laughs> we know. <wanna> be <laughs> We'd love to have you. All right. Well, that's, I think, all I've got on Doom Piles today. So I think I'll say... For me, that's Jessica Michaels, and I can't wait to visit with y'all again. Ellie, you want to take us out? Yeah, I've actually got some piles that need some attention. So I'm going to go take care of those, and uh, everybody take care of each other out there. 